For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Reichel, and this is the Betting Bay Area Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the Bay Area's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Quick reminder, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available on your favorite directories, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. If you want to find us or reach out to any of us, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find me at Reichel Radio on Twitter. Now, before we end up recapping uh, what happened last week and before we dive in to the Raiders and the San Francisco 49ers matchups in Week 5. Quick, on a somber note, quick condolences to the Oakland A's as their playoff hopes were brutally murdered at home uh, a couple of days ago. So, sorry for them. Unfortunately, it seems like the AL wild card in the last couple of years has been their Achilles heel, and they have officially started packing for the offseason. So, hopefully they will be able to bounce back and have an even better year next year. But, On this show, we are going to be talking about the Raiders and the 49ers as usual. Quick recap of what happened last week. We ended up splitting on the only game with the Raiders as the 49ers had a bye. We went 1-1 and and we ended up losing a tenth of a unit. As we ended up recommending the Colts on the spread, they ended up losing outright to the Raiders. And we also recommended the over, which ended up cashing pretty easily. So we ended up going 1-1. However, we're going to start once again with the Raiders. And it's kind of a special game for the Raiders as they will be traveling to international... Uh, waters as they have to play in England against the Chicago Bears. The Bears were originally a seven-point favorite, but now it is currently down to five and a half or five, uh, depending on where you shop. And the over/under is currently at forty and a half for the most part, market-wide. Uh, the Raiders won last week against the Colts on the road by a score of thirty-one to twenty-four. Very impressive performance after a couple of back-to-back duds that they had leading into that game. Josh Jacobs, the rookie running back, seventeen carries for seventy-nine yards. He was okay. He was decent. Uh, Raiders pretty much had a ton of success through the air, so they didn't really run the ball as much. Derek Carr, 21 of 31. However, he only threw for 189 yards, despite that pretty solid completion percentage. And he also had two passing touchdowns and zero interceptions. Tyrell Williams, same story, different week. He ended up having another receiving touchdown, which uh, gives him a touchdown in every single game this season. And he also had 36 receiving yards. Also, Darren Waller was the leading pass catcher for the Raiders once again, as he ended up having seven receptions for 53 yards. However, there is some negatives going on with the Raiders, as linebacker, controversial linebacker Vontez Perfect has been suspended for the remainder of the season due to an illegal hit on Jack Doyle last week. Uh, they've shown it a couple of times. Most of that has to do with Burfecht's track record, as he has been known as being one of the dirtiest players in league history. And the NFL decided they finally had enough, and they decided to suspend him for the remainder of the season. However, Burfecht will be appealing the suspension, so it could potentially get reduced, but he will definitely not be playing on Sunday. In terms of my brief thoughts on the actual suspension, 
I think that the season-long suspension is absolutely ridiculous. Do I think that he should have been suspended? Of course, because of his track record. But if you watch the hit, I know that he led with his helmet and everything. I've seen significantly worse hits, and I think that you can't just suspend somebody for an entire season solely based on his reputation. I understand what he did wasn't right, but the entire season, when you're in the middle of week four, I think is kind of insane. I think there's no way he's going to miss the next 12. Uh, he's going to miss the next 12 games. I think he should be able to come back after maybe five or six games. I think he'll be suspended for somewhere in the realm of five or six. But I think that the NFL is just trying to make a statement, and I think the players' union will be having none of it. And I personally think Burfecht should win his appeal in the sense that his suspension should be reduced at least to allow him to return in at some point in the 2019 season, but that doesn't help the Raiders in this game in particular. Plus, a uh, big problem for the Raiders here, Tyrell Williams, their star receiver, is still not in practice this week due, due to a foot injury, and Trevor Davis, who ended up making his Raiders debut last week and ended up scoring a touchdown, took added reps in practice, so if Tyrell Williams is not able to go, you should see a lot more of Trevor Davis as the Raiders will look to get the speedster into open space where he could potentially burn the defense like he did last week. However, Williams has been such a solid red zone threat, and if he is unable to go in this one, that will definitely have serious consequences for the Raiders' passing attack, and I would not be surprised to see them struggle if he is unable to go. Now, in terms of some trends for the Raiders, the Raiders are actually 0-4 against the spread in their last four games in Week 5. And the Raiders are 1-5 against the spread in their last six games after scoring more than 30 points in the previous game. I'm aware that most of the trends, if not all the trends I've given out for the Raiders, have been negative. But in terms of who they're playing, I think you can kind of understand why, and they will be taking on the Chicago Bears. The Bears were able to beat the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday afternoon last week by the score of 16-6. David Montgomery, rookie running back, had 21 carries, pretty inefficient for 53 yards. However, he has been getting a large increase in his carries in the last couple of weeks, so you should see him get potentially even more touches moving forward. Uh, starting quarterback for the Bears in that game, Mitchell Trubisky, ended up going 2-for-3 for 9 yards, but he ended up leaving early in the game due to a dislocated shoulder, and I will go back to that later, but I'm going to finish up with the actual, uh, just the recaps of what happened last week first. Uh, in terms of his replacement, backup quarterback Chase Daniel, he was fantastic as he ended up going 22 of 30 for 195 passing yards with one passing touchdown to Tariq Cohen and zero interceptions. Receiver Allen Robinson, though, led the way once again for the Bears in terms of production, as he had seven receptions for 77 yards. Bears defense, though, is what the is what the franchise is known for at this point, and the Bears defense was absolutely fantastic as it absolutely swarmed Kirk Cousins for all four quarters, and it ended up having six sacks and forced two turnovers. The six points that were scored came late in the fourth quarter in the middle of garbage time, and Minnesota had roughly 50 total yards at about halftime. It was smothering. The Minnesota offensive line had no answers. Kirk Cousins got a lot of bad press for it as they all blamed him for the game. And I understand that because he did not play well at all, but the Bears were all over him the entire game, and they pretty much pressured him on every single dropback. So I'll give him a little bit of a pass. But in terms of the quarterback for this game, it has not been officially announced for the Bears. Trubisky is expected to miss at least this one game, as he ended up also suffering a partial tear in his labrum in addition to the dislocated shoulder. But surgery will not be required, so Trubisky could potentially play in this game, even though it is highly unlikely, as he will have to travel to England, and then he will also have to worry about not getting crushed. 
I, I don't think it's really worth it. Bears are three and one. They're in the middle of the playoff picture. And based on how Chase Daniel performed yesterday, I mean last week, I think he should be able to perform well in Trubisky's absence once again. So I expect Daniel to be the starting quarterback for this game. However, some negative, some bad news for the Bears is that Pro Bowl defensive tackle Akeem Hicks missed practice once again uh, yesterday, and he is questionable for this game. Would be a huge loss for the Bears' defensive line, as Hicks, as I said before, made a Pro Bowl, so he definitely is an elite defensive tackle, and he has he has done a great job this season in clogging up the middle, clogging up the running lanes, and opening up the outside. For none other than Khalil Mack, who is arguably the best pass rusher in the entire league, it is also a revenge game for Khalil Mack, as it will be the first game that he faces the Raiders since they trade him to the Bears roughly a season and a half ago. So far this season, Mack has been great once again, as he has 4.5 sacks, as well as 4 forced fumbles. He's been a monster. He's a candidate for Defensive uh, Player of the Year once again. As of right now, he's behind Barrett for, from the Buccaneers, but... Mac's been a force to be reckoned with. If you force four fumbles and you also have four and a half sacks there, you got to make sure that Carr is going to hold on to that ball because that could be dangerous with Mac coming around the end. And I would expect him to at least record one sack in this game. In terms of trends, though, the Bears are five and one ATS in their last six games following a straight up win, and the Bears are eight and two ATS in their last ten games following an ATS win. So based on that, my prediction for the game. Sorry once again, Raiders. But in a way, you should be happy because since I picked against them last week, they ended up winning. So perhaps the reverse jinx can apply again. But I will be taking the Bears in this game by a score of 24-14, to 14, which means I like the Bears minus 5.5, and, and I also like the under 40.5. Simply put, Oakland's offense is pretty much entirely dependent in the red zone on Tyrell Williams, who has scored a touchdown every single week. He's questionable to play. No one even knows if he's going to play. Giving added reps to another wide receiver makes it seem like he will be doubtful to play. Even if he does, he won't be at 100%. I think that will be a huge deal, considering the fact that the Bears' secondary is above average. Their linebacking core is great, as Roquan Smith has officially said that he will be back this week after taking a leave of absence last week. Tremendous linebacker. And the Bears' defensive line is the best in all of football. So if Oakland's missing one of its only weapons on offense, I think that that's going to cause some serious problems. I think they could score in garbage time, but I think Oakland will struggle to protect Carr. I think they're going to rely a lot on dump-off passes, which should eat up some clock. But at the end of the day, I think the Bears' defense should be able to stifle this Raiders' attack. And I also think that Chase Daniel will do enough of a job as a game manager to take advantage of uh, Oakland's limited defense, and now that Burfecht will be out for this game, I think Montgomery should go for roughly 70, 80 yards, maybe a rushing touchdown. But I would not be surprised to see Daniel uh, play well once again. And I think the Bears should be able to win this game by enough margin to cover the spread, as the Bears' defense will cause this game to go under the posted total, as well as the Bears' commitment to dump-off passes and running the ball to keep the clock running. So, I like the Bears and the under. Now, if you want more information about the Raiders exclusively, Believe also has you covered. Check out the Believe in, po in Raiders podcast hosted by Brad Williamson, where he lays out the keys to victory for the Raiders this week against the Bears. If you're also interested in advertising for the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. And if that ever happens, then I will simply put your advertisement in the spot that I just read. So that is something to keep in mind, and if you want to reach out to any of us at Believe if you are interested in that opportunity. Now to transition over to the San Francisco 49ers. They will be playing at home against Cleveland on Monday Night Football following a bye last week. San Francisco opened up as five-point favorites. They are currently down to three and a half. The over-under is roughly 46 and a half points. 
49ers in their last game, which was two weeks ago, ended up beating the Steelers by a score of 24-20. to Before I actually get in to the uh, summary of the stats from that game, just a quick brief rant here. I think the scheduling is absolutely ridiculous for the 49ers here in a good way. It's good for the 49ers, but conceptually, this makes absolutely no sense. I don't understand how you can give a team a bye week and then give them another extra day to prepare by putting them on Monday night. I don't think it makes any sense. So in addition to the fact that Cleveland had to play last week and the 49ers did not, you're also giving the 49ers an extra day to prepare for the Browns since they are playing on Monday night, in addition to the added week they were given to prepare for the Browns. I think that should benefit the 49ers, but I just don't think that makes any sense. I think the NFL should potentially look into that because I really don't understand how that even came about. But either or, uh, I digress. Talking about the stats for the game against the Steelers, Jimmy Garoppolo ended up completing 23 of 32 passes for 277 yards with one passing touchdown and two interceptions. Meanwhile, uh, Matt Breida, he played pretty well. Nobody was really that great uh, in terms of statistics. But uh, Breida, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., as I was going to say, actually did well once again. Unlimited sample size by the goal line as he ended up having two rushing touchdowns. Mostert didn't really... Mostert was okay. He was act- Him and Breida set up a pretty solid 1-2 combo, which has complemented them well, especially with Jeff Wilson Jr. being the bigger back in the red zone. So they kind of have a three-headed attack in the rushing game, which is actually about to get stronger going into this week as Tevin Coleman, the offseason acquisition, has started practicing once again after being sidelined with a high ankle sprain for the last couple of weeks. I'm not really sure what his sample size will be in terms of touches or snaps, But Brito, Mostert, and Wilson Jr. have all been capable backs in their roles, and I think that they should continue to play well if Tevin Coleman is going to be eased back into the lineup. But if he will be given uh, roughly 10 touches, he should be eating into Mostert's touches, mostly as Jeff Wilson's more of a goal line back, and Brito is more of a pass-catching guy. So I think that Mostert will lose some touches on that one. But as a team, though, last week, the 49ers ended up rushing the ball 40 times for 168 yards, which, uh, and they also had two touchdowns, which is a very solid performance. Now, in terms of the receiving core, George Kittle, the star tight end, had six receptions for 57 yards. However, no other receiver had more than three receptions, which has become a theme for the 49ers. This team's identity is built on the ground, and they like to throw some passes occasionally, to Kittle to keep the defense honest, even Goodwin or even Samuel. But as a whole, this team loves to run the ball, and they will look to do that once again against the Cleveland Browns. However, some negatives for the 49ers in that game against the Steelers. They were extremely turnover-prone, as they ended up having five turnovers, including three turnovers in the red zone, which almost costed them the win until they were able to rally late in the fourth quarter. Also to mention, six-time Pro Bowler uh, offensive tackle Joe Staley will still be out with a fractured fibula, so he will be missing this game. However, the San Francisco 49ers defense was great once again last week as it ended up having two sacks and forced two turnovers, which is definitely a great sign considering of considering how bad the 49ers defense was last year when it came to forcing turnovers. And it is nice to see them turning over a new leaf led by their very young defensive pass rush, and that is definitely something that the 49ers will look to keep going in terms of momentum headed into this Monday night meeting. Now, to switch gears to the Browns uh, quickly, 
Uh, the Browns last week were able to defeat the Baltimore Ravens on the road by a score of 40-25. to The Browns also had a whopping 530 yards of offense and averaged 8.7 yards per play. Very efficient. Baltimore's defense just didn't know what hit it, and Cleveland ended up dropping 40 on them to cover as road dogs. Meanwhile, Baker Mayfield, starting quarterback, ended up going 20 for 30 for 342 passing yards with one passing touchdown and one interception. He also had a QBR of 59.6. He wasn't great by any means. The yards were pretty solid. Should have had a couple uh, passing touchdowns. Jarvis Landry, for example, got tackled the one-yard line. But overall, he still has had some issues turning the ball over. And the 49ers, very aggressive style of defense, will look to capitalize by causing some turnovers from Baker Mayfield once again. Uh, receiver Jarvis Landry, as I mentioned before, ended up having eight catches for 167 yards. Definitely the best game of his season by a wide margin. And if he is able to suit up for this game, he will look to put in another solid performance. Meanwhile, though, the Cleveland offense was led primarily by running back Nick Chubb, who had 165 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns on just 20 carries. He was great. The Ravens had no answers. Chubb put the game away numerous times in the fourth quarter as he just, I mean, the Ravens couldn't tackle him. Chubb had a huge touchdown run of 80-plus yards. He also had a very impressive touchdown run before that in which he broke about four tackles. And I think the Browns moving forward will look to keep the ball in Chubb's hands as Chubb has proven his ability to be a workhorse back in this league in about a year and a half of work. And with Mayfield's turnover prone issue, uh, turnover issues, I think that Chubb will be given a, an ample amount of carries in order to keep possession with the Browns. Uh, the Browns' defense also performed well as they ended up having four sacks, and they also forced three turnovers, including two interceptions and a fumble by Mark Ingram. However, some, negative, some bad news for the Browns. Wide receiver Jarvis Landry, as I said before, had 167 yards last week. He has not practiced this entire week due to a concussion, and he is currently listed as doubtful for this game. If he's not able to go, that's a huge deal as he uh, exploded last week from the slot. And if he is unable to go, that should allow the, the 49ers to focus more on Odo Beckham Jr. and to potentially double on the outside, which could lead to less opportunities in the passing game. Also worth mentioning, the Browns might be without starting quarterback, uh, cornerback Denzel Ward, who has not practiced this week due to a hamstring injury. Definitely would be a big loss as the top 10 pick of his respective NFL draft class uh, might be out, and that could have serious ish, uh, implications due to the Browns already banged up secondary. So if he's unable to go, the 49ers can potentially capitalize on some big plays downfield in the passing game. In terms of the... Uh, in terms of the actual trends for this game that I forgot to mention before, the 49ers are 4-1 ATS in their last five games after allowing less than 90 yards rushing in their previous games. And the 49ers are also 26-7 ATS in their last 33 Monday games. So the 49ers have been great historically in Monday Night Football, and I think they'll keep it going in this game. Meanwhile, the Browns are 0-6 ATS in their last six games, following a straight-up win of more than 14 points. And the Browns are also 2-6 in their last eight games following an ATS win. So in terms of my prediction, I think the 49ers will win a nail-biter here, and I think they will win by the score of 26-21. And that means that I like the 49ers minus 3.5, and, and I also like the over 46.5. I think this game will be very close. I think both teams are pretty even. Both teams right now have... Somewhat suspect offensive line, especially with the Staley injury for the 49ers. And at the same point, both these teams' defenses are underrated. 
and they both have quarterbacks that are, I don't want to say game managers, but both teams are going to be relying on their ground game, and I'm a little bit concerned on both defenses' ability to stop that. I think you should have a couple of big plays from Chubb, and whether it's any of the three-headed attack from the from the 49ers running backs, I think you should see some big plays. I think you should see a decent amount of points, and I think that the 49ers will cover, and this game will squeak over the total. So my predictions, as I will recap right now, I think the Bears will win by a score of 24 to 14. So I like the Bears minus five and a half and the under 40 and a half. And for the 49ers game, I think the 49ers will win 26 to 21. So I like the 49ers minus three and a half as well as the over 46 and a half. However, if you want more information about the 49ers exclusively, Believe has you covered. Check out the Believe in 49ers podcast hosted by Rashawn Haylock alongside 13-year NFL veteran Eric Davis. Quick reminder, though, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find me at Reichel Radio. Other than that, though, that's going to do it for this installment of Betting Bay Area Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. And good luck to all of you and your respective bets on this NFL card. Bye, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.